are continuing our study in the book of James. Um, on Wednesday nights, what we do is, uh, unlike Sunday mornings where I tend to preach topically, in other words, I will take a topic and then I will preach about it and I'll tell you what I think and jump all over kingdom come as I try to make my case for whatever topic it is that I am trying to discuss with you. But on Wednesday nights, this is more of a Bible study. Just one great big family Bible study. And we open up our Bibles and we go verse by verse and uh, try to learn uh, the scriptures that way so you become more uh, Bible literate, understand more about what the scripture is saying and, and, uh, and putting it in context. Uh, let me encourage you to bring your Bibles with you on Wednesday nights. Uh, I know on Sunday mornings we use the big Bible in the sky, you know, that you can see up there. And, uh, and we'll still do that as well tonight. The nice thing about having your Bible with you in a study like this is you can keep referring back to, you know, where we've been, where we're going. You can cheat a little bit, look ahead. And, and it's good because it helps you to put things in context. Because these guys didn't just sit down and write one verse at a time and jump, you know, all over the place. They sat down and tried to make points as they went along. And, uh, and so it's good to see things that way. Um, and again, as Pastor Lathan mentioned, um, for those of you who have dish networks and, and stuff like that, if you want to watch us tomorrow night, uh, TBN, we like going on, on TBN. It's, it's the largest Christian broadcasting network in the world and it's broadcast all over the world. We get emails from all over Kingdom Come whenever we're on. And, uh, I have no idea what time we'll be on in that. Is it a two hour program? Nine, ten, eleven, two hours. Okay. So somewhere in there. It's about, usually they give us about a half hour and we have a lot of fun with them. So uh, you might want to check that out. Okay, so we are James. We are in, uh, still in chapter 1 and we are at verse 19. And I forgot my bifocals. So you're going to have to watch me pull my eyes on and off. Or my glasses on. <laughs> pull my eyes on off. You're by free gotten run. But uh, I'll try to keep adjusting my glasses. Uh, starting at verse 19. Now he says this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Pay attention. Write this down. All right? A specific note here. I want you to watch out for this. And he says this. This is what you have to do. Everybody should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Oh, man. Am I ever a sinner? Because, you know, I'm, I struggle with this. You know, because I'm very quick to talk, 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 talk. And I'm not a very good listener. And uh, I'm working on it. And God helps. You know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. Some of you guys are great listeners, and you love listening to people, and you're very attentive, and, and uh, I, I am not so strong in that area. You know, much past five minutes, all I start to hear is blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I'm working on it. But um, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak. In other words, the point is strive, uh, give more effort to try and understand than to be understood. Everybody wants to be understood, not so excited about understanding. But you will find life will be much happier if you'll think, gee, let me try and understand where this person is coming from. Uh, uh, If you lead with that, then just trying to shut up, shut up, shut up, listen to me. I'm trying to get you to explain what I'm thinking. That kind of thing. Again, not my greatest strength in life, but it's a positive thing that we need to have. Slow to speak. Uh, Quick to listen. And then he goes on and says, And slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Really. Really. Because I'll tell you what. When we get angry, we are convinced God is on our side. 
We are convinced it's righteous indignation. Surely God doesn't want me to be ignored like this. Surely God doesn't want me to be treated like this. Surely God doesn't want this unfair situation. I'm really, really mad. Surely God is mad right along with me. And, and when we get angry and we start fighting and we are sure that our cause is just and we start getting blowing steam and getting all angry and frazzled about stuff, somehow convinced that surely this is a holy quest I am on. But James says, no, <laughs> no, calm down. Don't be so quick to get angry because anger rarely brings about God's best. Okay, he writes that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Okay, so don't be so quick to be angry. I know that God is on your side. God does want you to be understood. God cares about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But don't let your anger drive in mode. Because at some point, it just all becomes about the anger. And nobody can hear you anyway. So you want to be careful about that. Then he goes on and says, therefore... Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Now, whenever you see therefore, you want to check what it's there for. All right? So what is he talking about? He's saying um, this anger thing, he's connecting it with moral filth and evil. I mean, he's not giving us much of a break here. You know, What, what is he saying? He's really implying here that if you can't, keep a lid on your emotions you're going to have trouble in other areas of life as well if you can't keep a lid on your emotions your anger your bitterness your rah, 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 you know you're probably also going to be a person who does has a problem with patience and kindness and and all kinds of other temptations and stuff and your just emotions will drag you by the nose all over kingdom come and it's hard to be a successful christian if your emotions are dragging you all over the place instead of being led by the holy spirit which is god's best for us Quite frankly, most of us are led by our emotions. And if we're happy, then we're cool. But if we're not, then we are a mess. And whatever temptations come our way, we're just drawn away, you know. Because whatever our emotions are pulling on us at any given time seems to dictate our thoughts, seems to dictate our actions, seems to dictate our lives. And if you live that way, your life will stink. And you will struggle. And so he starts, don't get angry, and therefore, get rid of all moral filth, evil, all the stuff that is so prevalent in the world, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. To humbly accept the word of God. You need to know something. The Bible tells us that God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Man, God can cut right into you. And really see what's on the inside of you. And and change you. And empower you. And make your life richer and more fulfilled. If you will live deliberately in a biblical way. And the reason for even being here tonight and coming to church is to learn more about the Bible. So we can think and live and act more biblically. But the reason for this, it will save you. It will bless you. It will help your life to succeed. If you will humbly accept the word that is planted in you. Now, kind of hard to do because a lot of us, we don't want to accept the word that is planted in us. You know, we hope that when the pastor talks about what a rat you are, that he's talking to the guy next to me and not me. (laughs) Okay? And we kind of deflect stuff. And yeah, preach it, brother. Tell him. Yes, tell him. You know, what a slob he is. 
and uh, and we need to be more willing to humbly accept the word of God. And and he goes on to this. He says, "Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen." But do. So here he's encouraging us to accept the word of God that can change us. Now, it's kind of an interesting thing that I've noticed lately, and I tread gently here because what I'm about to say usually gets me in trouble. But, <laughs> um, you know, I speak a lot about gender differences between men and women. Men and women t- tend to think differently they tend to process information differently they tend to react differently uh, emotionally there's all kinds of ways that men and women are different now whenever I speak about that that those are very broad statements not all men are this way and not all women are this way so when I speak about these things those of you who got the DVD you'll see that's what I'm talking about in there about how men and women think differently but you know we're not all the same and you can't just put everybody in certain categories but having said that there are very clear distinctions generally speaking about how men and women think and respond particularly in marriages and relationships and life in general and to ignore that because we're trying to be politically correct is just absurd and ignorant as can be There are just, we just ain't the same. All right? But something I have began to notice lately (laughs) is I'm starting to see spiritual differences in the genders. All right? Now, again, this isn't all men, nor is it all women. But boy, you really start to see these gender differences in a spiritual, something I'd never really seen before. And it's specifically with this verse that we've been getting ready to share with you about receiving the word, letting it change you, and just don't listen, but do it. And what I seem to notice in a very general sense is that men by and large, when they hear the word, they will make a decision. Yes, I'll do it. No, I won't. Thankfully, most Christian men will say yes. Okay, I'll do it. Or at least they'll, they'll try. You know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll make a decision right away. Now, what they do so that they don't have to do much of the word is they limit how much they hear. <laughs> right? All right? They, they try and limit. They're not as excited to hear the latest thing or to go to as many conferences and read books. And men generally, by and large, we don't like to do that because one of the reasons, quite frankly, is we are wired in such a way that when we're faced with truth, we tend to make a decision. And, and a lot of us, we'd almost rather not make the decision. It's, it's like I was talking to, uh, there was a couple of people standing around in the foyer the other day talking about uh, you know, doctors and, and uh, talking to a couple of ladies. And one lady was talking about how the doctor told her that she had cancer. And the other lady said, oh, the doctor told me I had this horrible thing. And then a guy spoke up next to me and said, that's why I don't go to doctors. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, what? That's why I don't want to know. That way I stay okay. You know, that you are dumb as a brick, Jack. I want to know, Right? I'm telling you, there are a lot of men who distinctly do not go to doctors because they don't want to know. Because they know the minute that they know, they got to do something about it. All right? So the way they protect themselves is, I don't want to hear it. 
Oh, praise God. They don't tell me I got cancer. I can't have it. You know. No, you can have it. You'll just be dead. (laughs) Women, on the other hand, generally speaking, don't throw things at me, but are great hearers of the word, but don't seem to do jack about it. Women overwhelmingly attend conferences, go to Bible studies, read book, 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 and nothing changes. They don't do it. What they wind up doing is feeling more and more guilty because they know they're not doing it, but they love to hear, and they think somehow if hearing That will fix the problem. Deceiving themselves. Right? If you remember, this whole mess started with a woman (laughs) who allowed herself to be what? Deceived. Oh, he's got to be such a nice serpent. I just know he means it in his heart. Here's an example. If I talk to a hundred men and I say, you need to love your wives unconditionally. You know what most of those hundred men will do? Virtually all of them will go, okay. If I meet with a hundred women and I say, you need to respect your husband unconditionally. You know what I will hear in chorus after chorus after chorus? Well, what if he does this? And what if he does that? And what do you mean by respect? Well, well, do you have a Bible study about this? Is there a book I can read? You know, I'd love to go to a conference to learn more about that. Well, so what are you really trying to say? (laughs) Come on! If you can't say amen, say oh me. Don't do that, you guys. Don't hide from hearing so you don't have to do things. You want to receive the word of God. Let it change you and transform you. And you ladies, just don't be analyzing and hearing all the time. And rather than doing, seek to learn more. You do not need to learn more. You just need to do what you heard. Well, what does that mean to hear? Moving on. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and goes, Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Oh, I got egg on my face. Oh, that's disgusting. Must have got there at breakfast. I don't know how that happened. Okay, I see that. I see that. And then afterward, looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. Don't do anything about it. But the man who intently looks into the perfect law that gives freedom. Talking about the the, the law of grace that we have in Jesus Christ. And continues to do this. Not forgetting what he has heard or what he's seen. But doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. It does you no good, boys and girls, and particularly girls, to see your reflection in the mirror and see shortcomings and then not do anything about it. He says you need to do something. Just hearing about God is not enough. Just reading the Bible 
is not enough. Just reading books about the Bible is not enough. Just reading books about how to read books about the Bible is not enough. You need to do it. Okay? This is how you will get blessed. All right. Moving on. Before I'm stoned to death. (laughs) He writes on, he says, If anyone considers himself religious, I'm very religious. (laughs) Praise God. I've been in the church for 25 years. Very spiritual man. (laughs) What's sad is I couldn't do that 10 years ago because I wasn't fat enough, but now I can. That's... That's what's really sad. You know, I'm getting very good at that. Thanks to the extra 10 pounds I'm carrying tonight. Ay, caramba. All right. So, if anyone considers himself religious and yet doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he does what? Deceives himself. Look at this. He says, don't, this person deceives himself. He says back in verse 27, don't deceive yourself. Back in verse 16, don't be deceived, my brothers. He keeps saying over again, quit deceiving yourself. Don't be deceived. Don't, don't. Why is that? There is something in human nature. We really, really want to believe stuff that isn't true. And we want to not believe things that are. So, uh, if it's true and we don't like it, we just, oh, I don't think I believe that. Or things that aren't true, you know, well, I, I want to believe that. Why? Well, Oprah said it was great. Who cares? Oprah does. Don't be just trying to believe things just because you want to believe them and ignore things because you don't want to believe them. You say, well, what's truth? Where should I get my point of reference? Here. This is true. You need to believe this stuff. This is what will change your life. Not just opinions and ideas that other people have. All right? Don't deceive yourself. So anyone, he who uh, doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue deceives himself and his religion is not everything God intended for it to be. Is that what it says? His religion, he needs to grow more in his faith so he can become more holy. Is that what it says? His religion is what? Worthless. This guy is mean. He doesn't muss around. He says, if you can't hang on to your tongue and watch what you say, and you walk around deceiving yourself, your religion isn't worth jack squat. Worthless. Worthless. Man. I know a lot of people, their religion is absolutely worthless. They talk a good talk, but they do not walk a good walk. He's very, very, very sad. Verse 27. Religion that... God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, the Bible um, is, is very strong on looking after those who are disadvantaged. Um, it's something you don't hear spoken about a lot. But uh, this is one of the most... Now, he specifically says orphans and widows. I don't know how many orphans you're even aware of. I'm not aware of any. I don't know if there's any widows out there. Maybe one or two, I don't know. But kind of rare. Uh, More 
uh, common in his day. But, uh, but the point is caring after people who are in distress. Caring for those who are less fortunate. This is an important thing for us to do. To reach out to those who can't really benefit us. We can only benefit them. Does that make any sense? You know, one of the things that I've been wanting to do ever since I've gotten here, you know, eight months ago, and we just everything else that we're doing and dealing with, and limited resources, but we're going to get there. Uh, we've been we're having some meetings about it uh, coming up, and we've been having a few in the last couple of weeks. But it's to do a real concerted effort to reach out to the Hispanic community in this area. There's 20,000 Hispanics in this area. A lot of them are very, 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 very poor. Don't speak very good English at all. In fact, we'd probably set up some kind of a translation system where they can listen and, and learn. You know, Some people say, well, that'd be great. Let's have a separate Spanish church. A lot of churches do that. Uh, and that's great. Some people like that. I've always been mortified and offended by such a concept. We don't need to segregate people. The church... It's not supposed to be a place of segregation. We'll have our Hispanic church here and we'll have our rich church here and we'll have the black church over there and the Puerto Ricans, God knows what to do with them. And, you know, and honest. <laughs> you know, I want to integrate these people. But you know what? It's, what we're talking about is making a conscious effort to reach out to a bunch of people who really can't do a whole lot for us. They don't have a lot of money. They can't help pay for things in here. and You know, but to me... This is the most pure type of religion you can have. Is to reach out and love people who can't... You know, it's great. It's easy to benefit from people. You ever have somebody who really wants to be your friend? And you think, wow, this is great. They want to be my friend. They really like me. And they're just all over and they're talking to you. But they can't wait to invite you to some sales meeting. Have you been there? You know, I got this great opportunity for you. Oh, really? For me? And of course, if you don't do it, then they suddenly stop being your friend and they move on. You know, they're being your friend because they want something out of you. They want some advantage to be received from you. I'm sure people who win the lottery suddenly find all kinds of friends they didn't know they had before. Relatives rising from the dead, knocking on the door. I thought you was dead, I was, but I heard you running some money. You know. True kindness is helping people who can't help themselves or who can't really repay the kindness back to you. That's love. That's true love. And uh, something I want to reach out and do. Um, but there's all kinds of people in our church. Uh, they don't just have to be uh, where they don't speak English very well. But I mean, there's people who struggle. There's uh, you know, a lot of single moms. That's about the closest thing that we have to widows really in, in abundance today. But the church and people of faith need to be very... Um, deliberate and reaching out to them something we need to look at more as a church so helping people who are in distress and then that second part he says and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world don't be polluted by the world now if I were to tell you whatever you do don't get polluted by the water in the river downtown the easiest thing for you to do is to what? Stay away from the river. Pretty easy, right? Or if you knew that this room was radioactive, and I say, be careful not to get 
radioactive poisoning from this room, the easiest thing to do is to stay away from the room. In fact, I dare say that if that were to happen, there'd be a lot of great property deals within a couple of miles of this church because nobody would want to live anywhere near because they don't want to run the possibility of being contaminated. But the challenge with us is, when he says don't be polluted by the world, is we have to live in the world. And it's quite a challenge to swim in the river and not to come out smelly. Or to walk into a radioactive room and not to be affected by it. But if you had to, you'd go through all kinds of special efforts and being careful and all that kind of stuff. Which is really a lot of what we have to do as Christians. You know, a lot of people say, you know, boy, I wish I could just, uh, you know, uh, be in a situation where I didn't have to work in the world. Or I didn't have to be around unbelievers. You know, my life would be so much better. Uh, that's arguable whether it would be or not. A lot of people look at us and say, man, I wish I could work for a church. That would be the most wonderful thing in the world. How many think that would be a wonderful thing to work for a church? You know, you're on drugs. It's not such a wonderful thing. <laughs> in fact, what a lot of people who do it, they become so disillusioned. You have no idea. The people who come and work, you know, even for pretty old me, who just, you know, why? Because we're all people. And then they really get to, well, but you're Christians. I can't believe you treat me that way. <laughs> Where if you work for McDonald's and they treat you like garbage, you don't care. You know, oh, it's McDonald's, what do you think? No big deal. But your expectations go so high when you get around people of faith, you think. But, but uh, the answer isn't to get away and live just with people of faith and work at a church or to, to build a commune somewhere up on a mountain and stay away from people. This doesn't affect the world. Our challenge is to change the world instead of being changed by it difficult to do isn't that amazing rather than letting the stink of the world get on us we ought to be just a big can of pledge or something everywhere we go and try and get rid of the stink should be a stink free zone everywhere we go you say well I live in a really stinky place and I work around really stinky people and I have a real stinky job that's great it's a great opportunity for you to splash some love in an icky situation. The challenge is don't let that affect you. Don't let we should be affecting the world, not letting the world affect us. People of faith should be lifting the countenances of people around us instead of letting people around us without faith suck us into their abyss. Somebody say amen. That's the real challenge. That is the great commission. We go out, our goal, our mission, our challenge should you choose to accept it is to go out this message will not destroy in five seconds but it's to go out and to change the world instead of letting it change us and it's hard it's hard sometimes people are so mean mean man people can be mean nasty nasty cussing blaspheming fornicating adultery and there's all kinds of hating and, and you live in a world of people like that out there But what a great opportunity to let the light of God shine in you. You can be kind to people who are not kind to you. This is the epitome of Christianity. This is the great challenge. Easy to be nice to people who are nice to you. Not so easy when people are being mean to you. And a lot of people, they just just pray, oh God, just, oh, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. You know, you just need to bloom where you're planted, man. 
Not that you can't pray to get out of there. Some places are so miserable, you know, but you need to be happy even in your miserable situation until God changes it for you. Right? Be kind. Love people. It's a wonderful opportunity. You have to remember, you're the most Jesus some people will ever see. You're the most love some people will ever see. You're the closest thing to the Spirit of God some of these people will ever touch and experience. A lot of them won't understand it. They won't even, you know, they might even ask you questions like, you know, what is it with you? You know, how come you're so different? What's the deal? I cannot tell you how many times I've walked into a place and people ask me what I was smoking. You know, because you just walk in, you're smiling, you're laughing, you're grinning. For how you doing? Man, what have you been smoking? You know, nothing. Just splashing the love of God. Anyway, that's enough. Pastor Lathan.